Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Welcome to the show. Lovely. How are you? Oh, I'm great, darling. And I love it when um, I speak to like-minded women and am able to share, you know, beautiful things with you. Uh, So I'm really, really feeling great. I'm really feeling great to be on this podcast. Thanks. Thank you so much. Always love chatting to you and uh, receiving your wisdom. I would love if you could introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Um, Well, I'm Katia Bustani. I've been doing uh, rebirthing breathwork for more than 25 years and, of course, 30 years being involved with yoga and body work and the way that the breath moves through the body and the way that the breath moves energy in the body. Um, I was working for many years uh, previous to that as a massage, as a shiatsu therapist, where the elements and the breath were very, very important to the connection between the receiver and the healer. So I already knew a lot about the breath before I started doing breath work or rebirthing breath work. And when I had my first session, it was just absolutely incredibly powerful. I was stunned and shocked at what just breathing could do for me. And it really, really created a shift inside of me where I made a very serious decision that this is it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so I started following people who were very, very, who were the masters in in this modality. And I ended up getting to the Grandmaster Leonard Orr and uh, being able to share time with him and learn from him. And at some point during that relationship, he acknowledged me as one of only five rebirthing breathwork masters in the world that he has acknowledged. So um, I was working with his inner circle and I know a lot about breathing, conscious connected breathing, breathwork, and I've developed my own brand now, which is called Rebirth Breath Therapy. And some people ask me, why is it called therapy? And I say to them, because it's therapy for your breath, right? Mm. So you're actually uh, healing your breath, which has been stuck and traumatized usually since you were babies, sometimes even from the first breath. And so um, that's what I do. And uh, yeah. Amazing. (laughs) It is therapy. 
It is. My listeners know that I am a breathwork freak. I mm-hmm. tell everyone about it. And uh, for those who are listening, Katia was my mentor when I was training. And um, when you train, you go into a very deep process with your own breath and very deep therapeutic experience. And I feel like I learned like a thousand times more about the inner workings of myself and my subconscious than I had in any other modality before. And like you, when I had my very first breathwork session, I was like, holy fuck, what just happened? happened? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I've like, I've tried a lot of drugs in my life and psychedelics. And I was like, what was that? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and me too, you know, I had, um, ever since I was young, I was always so fascinated with the metaphysical and what was, you know, what, like I could feel there was much more than this. And, um, you know, I would shift in and out of states as a child. And I had a kind of a little bit of an awareness of that. And sometimes I was scared and you know, and it wasn't until I started working with breath work that I realized that all of those shifts and wonderful experiences are quite normal. And the breath can lead you to safety within those experiences. Whereas when I had tried, when I was younger, also different psychedelics and stuff like that to reach that place, um, there was always a kind of uh, chaotic element afterwards to it, or there was a chaotic element during the experience, right? Whereas um, what I loved about breath work was that after you do it a couple of times, you start to understand that there is a definitive energy cycle within it and there is a safety within it. So you, after you have healed some of the traumas or some of that accumulated tension, which is in your body, comes to the surface and you release it, you can start to relax with the breath and um, understand the energy cycle, right? And actually listen to the more subtle messages that the breath has to give you. So it's not just about having these huge emotional releases or these psychedelic even visions or anything like that. It's about finding comfort within your breath because in the end, it's just you and your breath, right? Yeah, Mm. yeah, definitely. I sort of believe that, I guess with psychedelics, you're ingesting something that's outside of your body. So you don't have like control or full sovereignty with that. Whereas with the breath, I feel like the breath is never going to take you like deeper than you're totally ready to go. Um, even though it will be difficult at times for many people as they're like meeting their internal world and their emotions and trauma and things like that. So uh, for me, it felt really safe um, Mm. and really deep, but still not like I was out of my depth at any point. And that was really important for me because I have a history of PTSD and trauma. I was facing a lot of really deep things and deep uh, sexual things because of Mm -hmm. my history of sexual abuse. And so Mm -hmm. right, that's also what I have loved about rebirthing as opposed Mm -hmm. to other kinds of breathwork is that it's so linked to the vagina and the womb and birth and our birth trauma. And Mm -hmm. I'd been, you know, oscillating in the spiritual world for a while and womb healing and all that stuff, but I never 
really um, knew before that we all had trauma from our birth. Um, right. And I, I don't think many people sort of know that. They maybe know about their trauma from their first three years of life and attachment yes. theory. But there is uh, a genius and an intelligence in your conception and when you're in your mother's uterus and as you're born and that leaves uh, an imprint on us and can actually influence our patterns. So absolutely, my darling. And, you know, uh, what's very, very interesting about that part of life for you, because you are still even if you are technically not alive, right? You're not in a human body. You're still a part of this integral um, movement of life energy, which is out there. Okay. And you always will be. So I really don't know if you go to heaven or if you have a soul or all of these sort of things that, you know, are out there that people tell us and, you know, that you might experience yourself sometimes. I don't really know what's true, what happens to us after we die, but I do believe that there, you're always a part of this energy. Your energy is always going to be there. And so preconception, your energy is there already because your parents are probably already thinking about you and um, attracting this experience to themselves, right? So preconception, the place that your parents are at, preconception has got a lot to do with who you are right now, okay? Because as you know, Amy, and I'm not sure if you teach this during your courses, but we know for a fact now that our cells are impacted by everything we do and especially by everything that we feel. Mm. And the sperm and the ovum are cells, right? And so beforehand, depending on what the parents eat and their lifestyle and the way that they think, if they're angry or if they're happy or if they've solved their own birth trauma, et cetera, et cetera, the way they breathe even is already a part of who you are going to become. Because when they finally make love and conception happens, those two cells have been impacted by all of that information already. And those two cells meet and then they start to divide, right? And the meeting of the first two cells and all of their information continue to divide and divide and divide until they become you right? And so also inside, when you're inside your mother's womb, and you are growing in there, you're literally made up of your mother's juices, literally. Mm -hmm. So you don't have the capacity to breathe, you have the capacity to take in oxygen from your mother's uh, body, right? Excuse me, sorry, Amy. You have the capacity to take in oxygen from your mother's body, but as you're growing in her womb, you're actually feeling all of her organs moving. You are feeling her breath. And so in a way, she's also training you how to breathe when you're still inside her body. Mm-hmm. Okay. And all of her traumas and whatever she's going through, her fears, everything, everything is absorbed by you and imprinted into your cellular memory to prepare you for life. Because that's what a baby does, actually. It grows itself 
and prepares itself for the information that it is receiving about what life outside the womb is going to be like for it. Okay. And then when it finally happens and uh, the day of birth is upon you, um, it's very complex and you're ready. You're ready because the space has become too small to hold you. And so you feel squeezed, okay? And you're ready to come out. And so the way that you're born, whatever your birth trauma is, is deeply imprinted into your psyche as your first real experience of life outside of the womb. And because it's the most basic experience, it's the deepest experience and the nature of thought is that thought is built on thought is built on thought. That's why primary imprints and primary thoughts are very important because they are the first thought which motivate all of the other thoughts, okay? And so if you had struggled during your birth, for example, you could come out with the imprint in your body that you feel that life is a struggle. And so, you know, sometimes you meet people and you can see in their body that they are struggling, even if they tell you that they're not. And even if they have fantastic businesses and everything is working for them, you can still see that they are in that sort of, you know, muddy place and life is still a struggle. And people, for example, who've been born by C-section, which sometimes people think, well, C-section must be great. It's really easy. You know, you just cut it open, scoop your hands in and take the baby out. Well, the baby feels things like their timing is not respected. They never went through the actual process themselves of being born. And so therefore, because they miss that process, they may have hesitancy to go into other birthing processes like birthing a new business or, you know, birthing a new relationship, right? So they feel, and and then when the actual birth happens, they feel resentful because their timing was not respected, okay? Mm. And other things, for example, you know, many children, thankfully not now, but in my generation, when we were delivered, we'd get a smack, right? We get a smack to start the breathing up, which oh is ridiculous. So you don't need <laughs> to smack someone to start them breathing. But we all got smacked on our bottom. Okay. So can you imagine being a little tiny baby entering the world thinking what the hell just happened? And then someone's humongous hand slapping you on the bottom for no reason, because they thought that if a baby cried, that it was um, indicative of the baby's health. Okay. And so, you know, my impressions, for example, my own first impressions were, um, I mean, and I've had proper birth memories. I remember this now through all of those different sessions that I've had. Um, My most basic imprint was men hurt me because I was coming out, you know, and I remember being pulled out. And then I remember the obstetrician smacking me, right? Imagine how powerless you feel and, you know, I mean, you you don't even have any idea of what's going on, right? So there are so many, I mean, birth trauma is, is a huge topic and a juicy topic, so wonderful and 
for men and for women. And um, yeah, I definitely think, Amy, that it's a beautiful, beautiful topic to go into, especially in your field where you empower women so much. It's just so beautiful to teach women this material so they understand their own reproductive organs, what's happened to their reproductive organs and beforehand also, right? And um, the growth of this beautiful being inside you and um, some ways that you can create a space for your new baby so that it has a positive outlook towards life instead of a negative outlook towards life you see totally yeah yeah and uh I know you and I have shared before about our joy and love for rebirthing pregnant women as well and having them breathe with the baby and I've had some really special experiences doing that and Mm. um it's just so cool and you know, in a recent session, the baby was started moving around as we were doing it, you know, like interacting with what was going on. And I love it. Yeah. It was really, really incredible, you know, to do that, like really close to when she was giving birth as well. Um, And the thing that I would love for us to touch on is a lot of people maybe who are listening, haven't tried breathwork or mm-hmm. there's probably some people listening who have tried breathwork, but they've tried other kinds of breathwork, like holotropic breathing and transformational mm-hmm. breathing, which is where you're breathing through your mouth. Right. And often when I meet women who are wanting to come and breathe with me or breathe in my membership, Mm-hmm. There, there can be like some reservations there if they've had an experience with the mouth breathing and they th- mm-hmm. they've maybe had like a traumatic experience or they felt um, under-resourced in a session or like yeah. it brought up a lot of things that they didn't then know how to integrate. Right. And what I believe and um, what I would love to hear you riff on is the difference between breathing through the nose, which is the rebirthing mm-hmm. style versus the mouth. My understanding and belief is that I think rebirthing is more gentle and more safe for going into these deeper traumas and wounds. Um, Whereas the mouth breathing for a lot of people can be like a lot to, to handle. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, first of all, what people need to know is that any type of conscious connected breathing, which they've tried, Okay, for example, holotropic breathing, which is inhaling and exhaling in a circular way through the mouth with music and other things, you know, um, to stimulate um, a sometimes even a violent release. Okay, so this sort of release, because you have, it's like taking the lid off the pressure cooker. And the thing is that without the right preparation for this type of release, then the person can be left, the person who has experienced this can be left very confused, empty, and even in a rage or very emotionally volatile for days, okay? So something people should know, and I I don't disapprove of mouth breathing. I think mouth breathing can be very powerful, but what I do know for a fact is that Leonard Orr was the person who brought conscious connected breathing. He channeled it to this planet. 
okay? And then after that, it started to uh, become diversified by different people who really had good intentions at heart, but sometimes didn't have the, well, they were all experimenting. The thing that most people should know is that a lot of the breath work, which is currently out there, is a result, of course, of experimentation, okay? So what I loved about Leonard's style of breath work, the original rebirthing breath work, was that he started with mouth breathing because it was in the first time he had the experience, he was in water, in a bathtub, and it was a spontaneous experience. And then he spent years trying to recover this experience. How did I have this experience? So he experimented in lots of different ways of breathing. And the way, the reason that a lot of people breathe through the mouth is that initially, because he was underwater, he was inhaling and exhaling through the mouth via a snorkel because he thought that that experience, that birth experience had to do with the water, not with the breath, okay? And so in the meantime, he taught lots of breathing, lots of mouth breathing to lots of people who then went out and started teaching other people mouth breathing. In the meantime, though, he went very, very deeply into himself, became very spiritual, went and met a guru in India, and the guru in India told him, breathing through the mouth is a waste of energy. Gurus or, um, let's say, uh, yogis would never use the mouth for breathing because the mouth is not the orifice which is made for breathing. And the mouth brings out more um, intense emotional states, which is what makes it attractive sometimes for people who want to do big groups and have um, a result which is very spectacular that people talk about. Okay, yeah. this is why Leonard always thought that people who were doing big groups with mouth breathing um, when, didn't always have the best interests of the people who were breathing at heart. Okay, it was ego-based. This is how, this, this was his thinking, okay? So that doesn't mean anything. It was just the way that somebody thought. And I'm sure that there are a lot of groups out there which are doing a great job and helping people to heal. But what he realized after he met his guru was, hey, hold on a second, we're doing it wrong because we're talking about breathing deviations and mouth breathing itself is an actual breathing deviation, right? Because the nose is the orifice which is made for breathing. And so he started experimenting with the nose and he realized that the nose breathing was giving him other types of spiritual, deep, deep spiritual experiences. And instead of leaving him depleted after the session, because after mouth breathing, people feel quite depleted. It, he was feeling energized after the session, really energized, full of life in his body, right? Mm. And so he continued with the mouth breathing, uh, with the nose breathing, I'm sorry. And he started teaching nose breathing and one-to-one -one sessions for a very, very deep transformation. And it is true that the, that the nose breathing is much more gentle than the mouth breathing because with mouth breathing, because you are taking in so much um, oxygen or what, whatever it is, energy, whatever it is that you want to call it, 
that you are taking in into your body. You're taking that in in a big way, okay? You're breathing much more because your mouth is open. Your mouth is a huge hole. Think of it. Think of your nostrils, yeah. okay? So you're taking in all of this. And so your emotional release and your physical symptoms can be very, very intense. Also, scientifically, because you're blowing out too much carbon dioxide on your exhale. Okay, this doesn't happen so much with nose breathing, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens is that, yes, you can have these incredible releases. And I actually do use mouth breathing sometimes, but it depends on my client, you know? So I take a look at the client and sometimes I put them through nose breathing and I think to myself, wow, there's a lot of accumulated tension there. I'm going to take them into mouth breathing for 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, so that they reach that peak and release. Then I take them back into the nose breathing. Okay. Yeah. So when you're inhaling through your nose and exhaling through your mouth, uh, through your nose, inhaling, exhaling through your nose, you know, your nostrils give a more, um, let's say, refined stream of energy, which is entering and exiting your body. Okay. And just simply because they're smaller holes, right? And then of course, you've got all of these wonderful functions of the nose, which is to warm the air. So it's more acceptable and moving and flowing freely in your body, right? Then the other thing is that, of course, when you're breathing through your nose, um, if you imagine now, if you're a listener, imagine breathing through your nose. Well, at the top of your nose is the third eye. So you are really directly hitting your third eye with your breath. And on the sides of your third eye are the nadis, which are the starting points of the meridians of the body. So if you know Chinese medicine, you know that the meridians of the body are the energy channels through which um, energy is distributed throughout your body. Okay. So it hits the nadis. And then because it hits the nadis, it goes into the meridians and there is a more even distribution of the energy in the body. This is why sometimes people think that nose breathing is less powerful than mouth breathing because the energy distribution is completely different. And so they're not all of a sudden in this space where they are um, we say full of drama or tetany, they're actually floating in a completely different space. And when they shift states of consciousness, there's also more awareness because it's less intense. So when there is a lot of intensity, like what happens through mouth breathing, okay, there's less awareness because when there's a lot of intensity, it's difficult to stay aware. All you can think of is how your body is hurting. What the hell's happening? Am I going to die? Right? Yeah. Whereas the, the nose is giving this even distribution. It's taking you in smoothly and slowly. Right? Yeah. And therefore there is a different level of awareness. But to finalize this, you know, and not go on too much about it, right? Um, I like to compare it. And I do really, really believe this. Mouth breathing is like meeting someone really hot and going home and having incredible sex with them and doing it all. 
and having that <laughs> great intense experience and thinking, oh, oh my God, what just happened, right? And nose breathing is more about the next step of falling in love and making love to your body. Okay, because when you're breathing through the nose and all of that gentle experience and those levels of awareness and, you know, understanding what's happening in your body and feeling the energy and all of these wonderful things, I actually really think of the breath as my lover. Okay, so when I'm inhaling and exhaling, when I'm doing it myself, I think to myself, hey, lover, come here. I'm ready for you. <laughs> Give it to me. Right. And um, yeah, that's that's some of the differences between nose and mouth breathing. There are more differences as well. But um, just for those people out there, uh, I recommend, you know, especially in the beginning that you find a good rebirth or rebirth breath therapist who um, will take you through nose breathing and help you to overcome severe trauma in a different way. Okay. So that's, once again, that's not saying that people who do mouth breathing are doing the wrong thing, because there are a lot of people out there who are doing mouth breathing, who've done incredible healing work for people as well. Okay. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I have some amazing friends who love mouth breathing and I've done yeah. sessions with them. I'm, and, you know, had an amazing experience. Yeah. Um, but we're just over in the rebirthing fan club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, I loved the metaphor that you shared around the difference. And I have a metaphor that I sometimes share with people and that like um, you, mouth breathing is like getting like a deep tissue massage. And I feel like rebirthing is like a lymphatic massage where to actually like release that energy out your lymph, you mm. have to like be in this more, subtle layer of the tissue and like right. sort of gently moving it out rather than just like pressing it out and forcing it out and so um I think sometimes you know like you said people are wanting these big spectacular experiences yes. because we're in a culture of like hard fast now yeah. drama big bigger you know and yeah. there's so much power in the subtleties and in the subtle realms of healing, but I think sometimes it gets overlooked because it's not like, like you said, as spectacular or obvious until you're down the road. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. You know, you start to, uh, I mean, it can be very, very powerful right from the beginning, right? So it's not that um, we're saying this and uh, people think, well, you know, maybe I need a few sessions before anything happens. No way. You Something will happen from the very first session. And, um, you know, I know that for a fact, 100%, that it is equally as powerful, if not more powerful, because as uh, you said, Amy, and I deeply believe this as a master who has gone into this work very, very deeply, simplicity is much more powerful than complex or complicated situations okay so the more simple you are the more powerful you are right and this is completely different to what our culture is telling us our culture is the culture of more 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 intensity more power more money more this more that and 
it's perfectly okay to go out and enjoy and go shopping. I mean, I do it as well. I love it. And people get surprised that I love fashion so much. Of course, I love fashion. I'm a woman. I love dressing <laughs> and, 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 you know, I love these things, right? Yes, of course, go out and do all of that shopping and do whatever it is that you want. But know that inside of yourself, the more simple you are and the more simple your needs are, the more simple your thoughts are, the more powerful you are because you are grounded. You are not um, distracted by millions of thoughts and millions of needs and millions of urges, right? And so this is another reason that I believe the rebirthing is also extremely, extremely powerful is because of its simplicity. So sometimes, for example, in holotropic breathing, um, Stan Groff, who actually learned from Leonard himself and then went off and changed the technique, he wanted to make it more powerful for his psychiatric patients. So he added all this. In the beginning, he actually added psychedelics to it. Okay, but then he realized psychedelics are not necessary. And he started to add music and provocative music and stuff um, and very intense breathing through the mouth. And, um, you know, holotropic breathing has been very healing for many, many people. However, one of the things that happens is that people get hooked into this drama, hooked into wanting more. And then after a while, they don't have that experience anymore. And they don't realize, because after you've had a breath work a few times, anyone who's done it knows that it starts to soften. Yeah, okay? it gets even more if you're subtle. breathing. Yeah, even yeah. if you're breathing through the mouth. And so this softening is more deeply understood by someone who knows breathes, right? Yeah. Than someone who mouth breathes, because someone who mouth breathes wants to have that intensity. Okay. Yeah. And as it starts to soften, they're like, well, it's not working anymore. Of course yeah. it's working. <laughs> like right? that wasn't a good session because like yeah. I didn't cry or scream. It's right, like <laughs> right. You know, and I'm like, oh my God, you know. So um, yeah, it's beautiful, my love. I, I think breath work is is, you know, it's I'm so passionate about it and um it keeps on surprising me. And uh yes, and there are lots of different types of breath work, by the way. Um, uh, you know, and they're called breath work and they are breath work. For example, simple pranayama is breath work also. Okay. But now the word breath work, uh, if you see it, for example, um, generally speaking, it's related to conscious connected breathing, which is circular breathing. And the school will probably have some element of conscious connected breathing. They might not take you through a whole session, which is what I discovered, you know, uh, when I went to this great festival in Mexico and stuff. And I started seeing what other people are really doing out there because I attended a lot of the breathwork um, talks. I was, I was there to give a talk. And um, people are adding and subtracting and doing this and adding, you know, it's, it's very, very interesting what people are doing. And there are lots of wonderful results, but the best result, in my opinion, you will get from simplicity, inhaling and exhaling in a circular way, the pranayama of newborn babies. That's what it is. It yeah. takes you back to the baby's breath. Okay. And that in itself already as you are pushing back, pushing back, pushing back with the inhale and exhale, the way that the babies are breathing, it will take you back 
to past memories and birth memory, right? And that's what's wonderful about it. And just one more thing I wanted to say, Amy, sorry, before uh, we go on, is that we were talking before about psychedelic experiences, okay? And something people should know is that a psychedelic experience is usually an out-of-body experience, whereas breath work done properly, rebirthing, is an inner body experience. And so the more you breathe, the more you feel your body. Yeah. Okay. You start to feel your body firing up, coming back to life. And that's what I love about it. You know, that's the difference it made for me because I want to feel alive. Right. Yeah. Totally. So that's why I do the rebirthing inside of my program, Pleasure Empress as well, because that program is all about, you know, embodiment, sexual mm. energy, pleasure, getting reconnected to your pussy. And Beautiful. that brings me to the last thing that I want to speak about with yeah. you, which is the influence that rebirthing breathwork can actually have on healing your vagina and healing yeah. your womb. And uh, I know that you have some stuff you want to share around this. So I would love if we could just kind of go into how the breath is medicine for the vagina. Yeah. Beautiful, darling. Absolutely. Well, first of all, we all have a very, very particular relationship with our vagina. Okay. So whether that is a fully involved, trusting, uh, beautiful, loving relationship where there is an actual dialogue between you and your vagina, okay, which is a wonderful place to be. So knowing your vagina that well and listening to what it's telling you, and observing its different reactions and realizing that all day it is doing things that you're not even aware of. So getting into that vaginal awareness and really understanding that part of your body can really, really transform you, okay? So I think sexual healing is extremely important for transformation. I think that once people get into this work, if they are willing to approach their sexual healing, if they're willing to overcome some of the, um, let's say, conditioning that they've had around sex and, and their genitals or their reproductive system or whatever it is, then they will open up a whole new world of healing because orgasm, when it is when you are taken care of well enough is so incredibly healing, right? So as one of my friends uh, says, we're not just talking about a sneeze, okay? We're talking about those mind-blowing, incredible orgasms that go on and on. And afterwards you think to yourself, wow, did that really happen to my body? How amazing, okay? So one of the things that we should know, you know, about vaginal imprint is that uh, we've, especially women, have got so much shame, the majority of them, around their vagina. And that shame may have come from their parents, from um, social conditioning, from whatever. So say, for example, with my own daughters, I remember always telling them, you know, this is your vagina and you should love it and things like this when they were very small. And we'd go to the beach and, you know, I was, I, I was and still am really into nudity because I believe that nudity is the way that we should be in nature, right? Yeah. We don't need something between us and nature when we go for a swim, right? 
So I was really into nudity and they were following my way. But as they started school and they realized that none of their friends' mothers were doing nudity and that there was a lot of shamefulness and they went to um, a school here in Greece. So there was also religious trauma, which was included and all of this sort of thing. They started being more aware of their vagina and their breasts and wanting to cover them. Okay. So this was an experience I had and, you know, you can't force people to, I mean, I had to allow them to have their own journey of discovery until now they are in the place again where they are uh, not so, um, let's say, you know, embarrassed or protective or whatever it is that you want to call it, uh, of their beautiful, wonderful reproductive organs which are designed to give you bliss and also a direct highway to spiritual connection. Yeah. Okay, because orgasm is a spiritual connection. And so, um, you know, it's very interesting for you out there, you listeners, to look inside of yourself and try and understand a little bit more about what went on in your vagina or around your vagina or, you know, any of the things that you've heard, any of the traumatic stuff that you've heard, which has disconnected you from her. Because in actual fact, that's what really happened. Okay. You started to become disconnected. And that's why a lot of women, um, when they come into adulthood, takes them such a long time to reconnect with her when all along you should be connected with her. Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, another thing which also disconnects us. So let's say shame, you know, the things your parents taught you, for example, I was with a friend uh, some years ago and um, her daughters, she had three daughters. And one time um, her and I walked into the bedroom. They were playing in the bedroom. They were very young. We're talking about six, you know, seven years old. The three of them were very close in age. And we walked into the bedroom and they were showing each other their boobies. So they were lifting their top, showing each other their boobies. And they were, look at my boobies and bursting out laughing and falling all <laughs> over the floor, right? And I thought this was delightful, but she went in there and she started saying, you never show anyone your boobies. I understand because, you know, she was probably afraid that they would be molested or something, you know, but she started screaming at them that they are all punished for showing each other their boobies. And I was like, oh my God you know, and this is the thing that parents do, which they don't really realize, you know, they, they shame their children because they want to protect them sometimes. And they don't realize the, the ongoing impact. Okay. Yeah. And especially with religion, we don't even need to talk about that because goodness me, what they've told us, you know, yeah. right. How shameful it is to have sex. It's like something which is like the worst, dirtiest, most disgusting thing and only supposed to happen with your husband. And you're supposed to be also, you know, submissive. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, there's that as well. If you are the sort of person who enjoys sex, then there's something wrong with you. Okay. And the other one, which a lot of women don't realize about is emotional incest with the father. Right. So this loving 
relationship well what usually happens in relationships after people have children is that very often they the the couple actually starts to become dissatisfied with each other okay and usually it's the man first because the woman is too occupied raising the children and so when the man is dissatisfied sexually he starts to um you know let's say develop an erotic relationship with the little girl, we're not talking about a physically erotic relationship. We're talking about falling in love with your father and the father falling in love with you, okay? Which is actually quite natural. And so you fall in love with your father and he falls in love with you, but you both know that there is no way that this can ever develop into something. And you can't have the imagery or anything at all playing out. It's too shameful. And so the father shuts it down and so does the daughter. And this is another part, which is a very interesting part of the beginning of the disconnect between you and your sexual desires, okay? So obviously, I'm not saying that you have to go into a relationship with your father, which is absolutely a bizarre thing to, to say, right? All I'm saying is that as a child, you don't have any concept. You don't understand what's happening. And so if your father rejects you when you are in love with him, right, yeah. then you can start to feel separate to your desires and the way that your vagina works. So there are so many things that are going on which are keeping us separate to our reproductive system. And um, it's very important to, to get very clear on those things. Why, do, why aren't I connected? Why is it so difficult for me? Or why during sex do I have to have strange fantasies of, of you know being punished or, or whatever it is that people actually thinking about your fantasies is a wonderful doorway to understanding yourself and you shouldn't be embarrassed about them. Okay. And the final thing I really wanted to talk about was also your period. So the thing is that a lot of people don't realize that your period is actually cleansing you every single month. It's an incredible detox to whatever has happened to your vagina. And so, of course, your vagina holds physical imprints of what may have happened, but it's mostly your mind and the way that you judge it, which is making it ongoing over years and years and years. So it's your mind and your judgment of what happened to you, which is continuing to add drama to that traumatic event. Okay. That's not saying that you don't need healing. You don't need to go through all of those beautiful um, modalities that you might, you know, we need to heal ourselves, definitely. What I'm really saying is that there is a wonderful tool of healing, which is your period, which people don't really understand. Okay. So every time you have your period and all of that blood and everything else comes out of your vagina, the smells, whatever it is. Okay. You are already monthly being totally cleaned out, right? And getting a relationship also with your period is essential 
to you increasing your intuition as a coach or a therapist, right? Especially as a woman's empowerment therapist, because your period is, has so many layers to it, incredible layers. And as a matter of fact, you know, the women knew that. The women knew that in ancient times. That's why they would separate themselves during their period. It wasn't because they were thrown out of the village or any of these toxic, weird things that people tell you about your period. Okay, now we stick a tampon in and we throw our period in the toilet. It shouldn't be like that. We should be using a moon cup and using the blood from our period to do our own magic. Okay, it's very, very beautiful and powerful. That's why if you go into some of those old witchy things and stuff like that, the women knew that the period, that the time before your period, which now we interpret as, oh, my period is coming. I feel terrible. I'm bloated. I'm this, I'm that. Yes, you're interpreting it that way. But actually it's an accumulation of power, which is ready for a release. So it is the perfect time for manifestation, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, yeah, it's beautiful to use womb magic and sex magic. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. That's when you are going to be in your true power as a woman. So I'm not telling you to do weird rituals or, you know, anything like that. You can do whatever you want. But all I'm saying is respect this wonderful gift that you've been given. Without this gift, who are you? right? And so it's, it's very beautiful, my darling. And um, the breath is medicine for it, because as you start to come into this wonderful understanding of your body through rebirth and rebirth breath therapy, you start to understand your body and many, many, many women, when they do rebirthing or rebirth breath therapy in the beginning, they almost always feel it in their womb. And they'll say to you, oh, you know, it feels like it's being squeezed. It feels like it's being hurt. Yes, of course it does. Of course it does. It's been through so much trauma. Okay, because we haven't been allowed to explore and experiment with it uh, in a way which is liberating. Even now, even now with all of these beautiful young people who are out there saying, well, you know, we don't want to be defined. We want to do whatever we want, okay? This generation is still the generation who is experimenting with having no definition of sexual identity. So they're still in trauma, okay? When they, maybe in the next generation, if these children raise their children differently, we'll have women who are not so traumatized about their own sexuality, and totally into sexual liberation and understanding their vagina and speaking to it, right? And so, yes, learn rebirthing. And then once you have released whatever it is that you need to release and it becomes more gentle, start to use it as a tool to get to know yourself better, really get to know yourself better because it's the definitive highway to self-awareness. Yeah. And yeah, as you start to develop this relationship with your vagina, like with every relationship, my love, the more that you spend time developing the relationship, the more trust there is. 
the more your vagina trusts you because it's been taught not to trust, okay? Because you're sticking tampons in there, you're, uh, which is, there's nothing wrong with tampons, right? Of course, I've used tampons. Now I've passed this period of my life and it feels very liberating also, okay? Um, but, you know, because of our ignorance, we don't really, we haven't treated it in the way that it should be treated. Yeah, right. it's a nuisance for a lot of people. Exactly, exactly. And many women, you know, for example, they have sex with their boyfriends or their husbands or whoever, right? So we're not sorry, I'm just talking here in a very heterosexual way. And I'm sorry for, you know, uh, if I'm politically incorrect, okay. But many women have experienced lots of different types of um, abuse and just stayed submissive. Like they sleep with their partners just so their partner can be satisfied and they can get it over with right yeah and and it can and and it becomes a pattern and these patterns are unnatural to us we are not like that we are liliths okay and i don't know i hope all of you guys out there know who lilith is but she was the first wife of adam and she was banished from the garden because she was too outspoken <laughs> okay, and the story of Lilith and Eve is that then God created a woman out of the man's rib, Eve, who was supposed to be subservient to the man. And this is when patriarchy came in because Lilith represented matriarchy, which was how everybody used to live. Okay, yeah. patriarchy only started existing after matriarchy had had its day, right? So you are so much more powerful than you think. And your vagina is so wonderful, so intelligent. The more you trust it, the more that it will speak to you, the more that you'll understand yourself, the less that you'll allow people to be, to cross your boundaries, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And this is how bliss happens, my darling. And I, I really think every single woman out there deserves to know this information. And, you know, as a Lebanese girl, who um, grew up with a lot, a lot of shaming, a lot, okay? So we were told never, ever sleep with anyone before you're married. You know, your vagina is like, oh my God, don't touch it, don't look at it, don't, like, it doesn't exist, okay? From a person who's been through the journey of being there to really feeling like I'm sexually liberated, and make very conscious choices around that, I can tell you that as a woman, you are missing out if you're not doing this journey. You know, this is a wonderful journey and you deserve it. Wow, darling. So <laughs> I was on a bit of a rant there, wasn't I? Goodness. I love your rants. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my love. So, so many pearls of wisdom here and food for thought um you, I would love to ask you if you have any trainings coming up because I get asked yeah. all the time on Instagram you know where did you train Amy who like who do you recommend and totally. we have a relationship as well where uh people can get a discount through absolutely dropping me to you so what's coming up yeah. So um, we've got a um, we've got the beautiful Samothraki training. So Samothraki for people out there who don't know is an incredible, very natural island in Greece. 
it is protect, protected by UNESCO because it's got its own particular flora and fauna. And traditionally, mythologically, it is the place where Dimitra, the mother, the divine mother Gea was worshiped because the nature is so, it's like a jungle, right? In the middle of Europe. And so we have this beautiful training coming up um, and every year it happens in September for whoever doesn't make it to this training. And it's a three week intensive and takes you deep, deep into your breath and trains you how to use your breath in the correct way as a coach or for yourself. And um, people can go on to uh, globalbreathingawareness.com, which is actually um, being renovated at the moment. So uh, they'll just come up with a page which will send them to a masterclass and then they can go into that. Or they can come directly through you, Amy, and you can just introduce them to me. Um, and uh, in that way, they can have also their discount. And, um, you know, I'm very happy when people come through you because usually they've done quite a bit of work already when they come to me and that makes my job easier, yeah. right? <laughs> so there's that. And then there's also the online training for those people who can't come because I know a lot of mums out there and other people. And um, this online training is really been designed to be the Ferrari of online trainings. It's come a long way since you did it, my love. Um, and each single person gets their own mentor, a person who is experienced, who gives them ongoing transformational sessions until they understand what the hell is going on and what they're doing. Okay. So um, we launched that about a month ago. We've already got one of your beautiful ladies on it and other people who are interested in it. And um, that is an evergreen product. And uh, so any of those things, they can go to katiabustani.com or they can go to globalbreathingawareness.com or they can go to Global Breathing Awareness on Instagram and just go through there or Katia Bustani on Facebook. Amazing. Okay. Yeah, yes, one, of, my one of my friends is doing it right now, I think. Yes. She's like early on in the journey and she already messaged me and was like, thank you so much for uh, recommending this to me because she was looking up or she was kind of tossing up between um, yeah. two or three trainings that had been recommended and they were more like mouth breathing modalities. Right. And I just said to her, you know, you got to get clear on what your desires are and I can speak to my experience. And she went yeah. ahead and she's loving it. So that's amazing. Love. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And um, thank you to all that audience out there. And, uh, you know, whether you come and see me or meet me or whatever it is or not, I really, really, my wish for you is just to develop a very intimate relationship with your breath and allow it to give you the information that you need that you don't even know that you need. That's the yeah. incredible thing about it, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, such a gift. Amazing. Thank you yes. so much for your time you, and your wisdom darling. and sharing with our audience. You guys can Thank find you. Katia on her Instagram, Global Breathing Awareness. Yes. And uh, yeah, if, if anyone listening has any thoughts or wants to reach out to us, please do. Amazing. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you. Bye-bye to everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today, Queen. I've loved having you. I hope this episode lit you up and exploded your soul and your heart and your yoni and your intuition. 
If you want to play together, you can come and join me on Instagram. This is Amy Rushworth. You can also download my really amazing free abundance bundle from the episode show notes. You can find other juicy details there. And I can't wait to see you so soon in one of the next episodes. Until then, keep shining, keep blazing, and keep unapologetically living your best life. I love you lots. I'll see you soon.